Welcome, welcome, welcome to episode 19 of the Citizen Curious Podcast. We have done 19 of these things. I am your host, Ryan Lee. We are broadcasting live and direct, as always, from the ultra-secretive, highly confidential location in Lower Manhattan, known as the Carmine Street Studios, aka my apartment. We've got a very special episode in store for you. Today's guest is none other than Allison Mosshart, songwriter, singer, lead vocalist for two excellent bands, The Kills and The Dead Weather. You can find her on Insta at A Mosshart, A M O S S H A R T. She'll do the occasional solo track for various soundtrack work. Recently did an excellent cover of the Bruce Springsteen song State Trooper off his album Nebraska. And look live in concert. I know concerts are a very distant memory, but she is one of the best front people. Doesn't matter, male, female. She is one of the best front people. She brings it every night, totally focused, presence, energy. She kills it. Allison and I caught up on a recent Saturday evening. She signed on from Nashville where there was a crazy storm that was just starting to hit the city. You can hear the storm rumbling during parts of the recording. I don't normally do interviews on Saturday evenings, but when someone like Allison says she's available, you lock it in. I don't want to give too much away, but it's a really interesting look into how the pandemic has impacted a touring musician's life and artist's life, and you'll learn about how Allison was able to deal with that. We talk about Nashville, some of our favorite restaurants, some of our favorite records. Once again, Bob Dylan's Rough and Rowdy Ways gets a mention. The new Nick Cave record. We talk about talking to our moms during the pandemic and a whole lot more. The one thing I neglected to ask Allison about, I'm so mad at myself for this, is that in 2016, Anthony Bourdain visited Nashville to film an episode for his show Parts Unknown. And Allison and some of her dead weather bandmates they basically played tour guides for Anthony. It appeared that they had a very special bond. I would have loved to have heard how that episode came together, what some of her recollections were. Just because, you know, he's such an American icon. Or at least he's my type of an American icon. It's a great episode. I highly recommend checking it out. Uh, it looks like they had an absolute blast. I think you can find it on YouTube, wherever. I can't thank Allison enough for coming on the show. I really appreciate her time and her willingness to do this. Please check her out once again on Insta at AMOSART. Listen to the kills, listen to the dead weather, listen to good music. Without further ado, here is my interview with Allison Mosshart. <laughs> You're in Nashville. I'm out in New York City. What's it been like over the last year or so in Nashville in the pandemic? Well, I was here for the first four and a half months. And then that's the longest I've ever been any single one place since I was about 15. Just decided, you know what, I'm going to just drive. I'm going to start driving. I'm just going to, I'm going to drive to LA. So I drove to LA and I loved it so much that I ended up driving back and forth four times and I just kept driving. 
I just kept driving. <laughs> it was so Whoa. much fun. It was great. You know, it gave me, I was in everyone, everyone, that first like beginning of lockdown and everything. It was just like, I didn't go anywhere. You know, I didn't see anybody. I really, really um, was careful and just like yeah. working and just, like figuring it all out. And, and, um, but you know, I tour for a living and I travel constantly. And so I just, I just felt like I didn't ha I needed to see stuff. I needed to see something like moving. And then I, I was the one moving. I just had to look at like the window and things like going by and, and it gave me perhaps confidence during the pandemic to be able to do some things that sure. I wouldn't have known I could do. And, um, that I could do it safely, but I could figure it out. You know, it was kind of scary. I mean, the scariest part wasn't the pandemic as much as like the political unrest and everything that was going on and that portion of the Trump presidency where it was getting incredibly vile and scary and people were very vocal about hating people. And um, yeah. I think to me, like, the pandemic being the one thing, but I think getting in the car and driving across the country just alone, the stuff I was more worried about were like pissed off cops and mm -hmm. just crazy people, you know? Um, so that was interesting. It was really interesting to see the country at that time. It's never looked like that to me. I've been around it a million times, never felt like that to me, but I loved it. It felt like some sort of progress, you know? just the act of driving felt like progress every day to have a goal to get somewhere to some strange town I'd never been and figure it out and get a hotel and clean the room and find dinner somewhere like a hunter and gatherer and bring it back and watch the news and figure out my journey the next day and like look at the maps yeah. and like oh, it was really uh good for my head at least tricked me into thinking I was doing something <laughs> so I, that um, must have been wild I mean it it, it, it was it like it's kind of like do you remember that book, The Road? You know, it's like you were like doing the road, but like in real time. <laughs> the fascination for me, because I obviously always, I always need something to be doing at the same time as I'm doing something. So I decided to film the whole thing and like set cameras all up in my car. So <clears throat> it was kind of like a moving film camera, this thing. And I had a recorder and I recorded myself talking to myself all day, all the time. And I people would call me and I'd be like, you know, you're going to be recorded. If you call me while I'm in this car, you're going to be on tape forever, you know? So people yeah. would call me and I would have like phone calls all day. People would kind of want to be recorded. <laughs> and part of the science he just turned the whole yeah. thing, the journey into like an art project, you know, I don't know what I'll make of all this stuff. Um, but already, like, since I did all of that, this kind of went on for like five months. Yeah. Um, since I did all that, I am constantly like pulling from it, like careful. It's very precious this time because this is a project. This is something I don't know when in, in my life ever I will have time to do something like that again. Yeah. You know? So all of that footage, all of those photographs, all of those recordings and stuff are very precious. Like they're going to be something. I just don't know what, I don't know if I should rip them apart into tiny pieces and yeah. use them in a different direction or what, but so, so, Nashville was my studio. That's my impression of being in Nashville during that time. Also taking long walks and thinking to myself, gosh, I've always wanted to have some time to do some things. I hope this, this doesn't end too quickly. 
is about the dumbest thing I ever said out loud to anybody because mm-hmm. it's forever. Mm-hmm. Uh, so then the drives and then, and then I spent a lot of time in LA between all of that. And LA felt great. LA probably felt like what New York felt like, like everybody's kind of on the same page and acknowledging there's a pandemic and wearing a mask and taking precautions. And you know what I mean? Kind of yeah. behaving in a pretty legit way when confronted yeah. with a major crisis. Yeah. The, South, the South is not that way. The South the places I drove through were not that way. Yeah. Yeah. I have a, I have a fair amount of friends that, um, did the thing, went down to Miami and have, have been hanging out down there. And it's just, it's not a thing. Like, it's just. <laughs> even the South, that's just like, I don't even know what Miami is. Miami is its own country. They, they play yeah. by the rules, but um, yeah. Yeah, everyone I know that's gone to Miami has gotten COVID, so just that. <laughs> Same. <laughs> <laughs> I've been around the entire country and I've not gotten it. So I don't know. No, no, I think it's because I'm just like, yeah, this is real. I'm not going to get it. I'm not doing it. I mean, but that's just a really interesting uh, set of field notes that you've collected. Because we went through so... Insane. Who knows what they are, but I have them. You're just, you're taking the pulse and you're you're trying to put your antennae on the world and like see what's going on. I mean, in this really weird time where like everything was just at a distance too. Everything's at a distance, but everybody hated each other. And I think that's the thing that was really getting me more... uh, concerned was that this kind of like very volatile situation was boiling up in the middle of a pandemic as well. And you now I'd speak to my friends in like New York and LA and in big cities and they're like, fuck those people. And I'm like, but no, I, I can't, I don't feel that way, you know? Yeah. And yeah. I, and I, I didn't like that feeling like of everybody just really taking sides. It was really like, that's incongruous to like what I do. You know, I, I play shows everywhere. I play shows yeah. to everyone. I talk yeah. to everybody, you know, we have common ground. We have quite a lot more common ground. And for me to go out and just actually have conversations with people, albeit they were very short, you know, at gas stations and truck stops and hotels and wherever, you know, it like re-reminded me which I needed to be re- reminded of, you know, that's just, it's not what you think. By the time I got to December and I got back from my final drive, I thought, okay, you know, cause like, unlike you, when you're like, this is going to be two weeks. I remember when it was like lockdown, I'm like, this is going to be a year. This, yeah. And everyone was like, it'll be a couple of weeks. It'll be a couple. And I was like, I don't think so. I really don't think so. I think it's going to be a year. And so I kind of went into it with that in mind, you know, yeah. I wasn't surprised when tours were getting canceled. I wasn't surprised when like things were, I was like that, you know, everybody's just kind of like sitting it out and waiting and seeing what's going to happen. But it didn't hurt so bad to me because I kind of decided it was going to be a really long time, you know, when you kind of brace yourself early for I raised early. I went through, I went through to the depression, like the, at the first sign of the news. And I was like, okay, that's, this is what's up. But I will say by December, I, I kind of hit a wall. Like I was ready for it to be over. I really, really now at this point, I was really finding it hard to write songs because Mm -hmm. I wasn't having real human contact, real relationships, real like inspiration. I wasn't seeing other bands play. I wasn't seeing other artists 
gallery shows, I wasn't seeing all these things that like I completely feed off of at every time. And I'm so fucking just humanity. Yeah. At my computer. I don't like it. I don't like yeah. it in normal life and I don't like it now. And it's becoming like all there is. Um, so I got really obsessed with, I started making like little films and stuff. And I thought like, I don't know how to communicate without being on stage. So why don't I just make little movies all the time? And that was a trip. I've, I've bored myself of that now. Thank God. Cause that was like 15 yeah. movies later. I was like, yeah. okay, I still want to play. This isn't enough. You know what I mean? It's not enough. I still want to be on stage. I want to be, a, I want an audience. I want that, you know? If we'd had this discussion six weeks ago, it would have been, I don't know, early February, something like that. New York and the East Coast, dead of winter. The sun is setting at four o'clock. You're going to work. You come home. It's dark. You can't hang out with anyone. I'm not responding to anything. I'm just, yeah. there's, there's no interaction with people. And the way that it really hit home with me is um, I'd be talking to my mom. She's out in the Bay Area in California. We're like having these eight minute phone conversations and it's like, I don't have anything to tell you. And she's like, I really don't have anything to tell you either. When I feel like, uh, you know, we're in that, we're like right there where we started. So I'm having these like incredible memories about like the way things smelled outside and the light and how things looked and all of my reactions to the very beginning of this pandemic are constantly replaying in my head now that we're back in March. And it was so weird. It was like, oh, the same storms are coming, the same power, like the same power is going to go out the same. I'm, I want the same food. I'm like starting to repeat myself in a really weird way because I don't think ever in my whole life I've ever been in the same place at the same time, two years in a row or three, you know, like yeah. ever. Never. So I don't like ever have this kind of like flashbacks of like, this reminds me of last time. There's no last time. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's no like, yeah, that's been really weird, but I don't know. I've been talking on the phone to my mom a lot. Like I'll talk to her for an hour. Be like, come on, put your shoes on. Let's go for a walk. She'll get, her, she'll get her shoes on. She'll go out and get her walking for like a couple <laughs> of hours and we'll just talk and often or we won't just walking. Yeah. yeah. What, what are your thoughts just on um, getting back on the road? I'm very eager. To, I'm very scared. Yeah. I'm always scared after we finished, like we toured for three, three and a half years after the last record. And then there was a year there where we were doing other things. And then we were supposed to start the writing process and everything and put out a record last year and then be on tour right now. So everything's just kind of like moved. And, um, but like between every record process and stuff, I'm always like, oh my God, I don't know if I can, if I remember how to play. <laughs> I don't know if right. I remember how to play on stage. Like I'm totally terrified. I'm really shy. I don't know. And then it's always fine. So I have that fear again, but also we've got to make a record. And that's been really hard, not only for lack of inspiration to write music. Right. I don't want to write a record about a pandemic. I don't really re want to recall this time if i'm totally honest with you i mean yeah i've made a lot of work printing this time and i would like to make a record that uh i'd want to listen to forever because i'll certainly have to play it forever um and i want it to be about something else so so writing that has been uh kind of stoppy and sturdy we had a lot of songs before this happened and now it's been really hard to get excited you know, 
So as things, as things like start to open up again, I know it will all come into place and it'll be fine and we'll be in the studio and then it'll all happen again. This is the first interview that I've done on a Saturday evening. Uh-huh. What is Allison? What is Allison Mossart doing normally on a Saturday evening if she's not doing, uh, you know, Zoom interviews with uh, random podcasters? I love the weekend so much because I don't get like all those work emails and have to do interviews and do all that stuff. So yeah. it's funny that I took this one and said Saturday. It's only because the week is so busy, I, you know. Um, but I'll, I will work on music tonight. That's what I'll do after this. And so are you, um, when you're working on music, is it stuff that, uh, I guess when you sit down and, and write these days, are you just, you have multiple outlets. You've got the kills, you've got the dead weather potentially, who knows what else, right? You could be collaborating, you could be working on solo stuff. What is the creative process like? Are you sitting down now and just writing and then saying, depending on the vibe, depending on the output, I think this slots into one of those projects. Like, how do you, how do you approach it? Are you just saying, I'm just going to write, we'll evaluate it later. I'm just writing. I'll evaluate it later. I'm just writing. I'm just writing to see if I get on something that I like enough to keep me there to finish it because I have very short attention spans. So if I hit on something I like, it's just all about trying to find the thing that I actually want to finish. Like last night I wrote two songs. Don't know if I like them. Haven't listened back to them. We'll see. I'll check them out tonight. If I'm, if I'm like, ah, then I'll start over, you know, with something else. Just, just, I like putting the headphones on. I like setting the mic up. I like getting the guitar, like, you know, like some sort of a keyboard or something just to like hit out some notes and create some sort of place for me to sing. I can't like write a set of lyrics and sit down and go, okay, I want it to go like this. Like, I don't know how to do that. I just kind of play until I find what I'm looking for. I talked to Blake Mills earlier this week and he said that for him, ambient instrumental music has been a little bit more resonant. Um, He said he's been, you know, taking walks and there's something about the, the texture of instrumental music that's been hitting home a little bit more for him in this last year. Yeah. What's, some of, what's some of the music that's been sort of resonating with you over the last year? Mm, it depends. Well, at the beginning, I think I listened to Bob Dylan's new record like 4,000 times. He played on that. Yeah. Did he? That's awesome. Yeah. That was, uh, you know, that record was like my, my perfect pandemic record. So yeah. it was perfect. So I listened to that like on all my drives. As aside from Bob Dylan, I listened to NPR. Just freak out. <laughs> I got became like a serious news junkie, like to the point where I had to sit myself down after like month seven or eight. And like, you yeah. are not allowed anymore CNN. You are not allowed anymore newspaper. You are not allowed anymore because that's all your brain is on. You know, it's like turned into a drug to know everything that is going on because nothing is going on. You know, it's like, no, there's so and I don't know. Yeah. I, at one point I just started to realize, I think that this is stopping me from painting. I think it's stopping me from writing good lyrics. I think it's stopping yeah. me from utilizing that weirder, crazier part of my brain. It's just like really straightening out over here and really worrying about politics and all of these things that I always care about, but I've never become a fucking obsessed with, you yeah. know? So I had to make some space. There's addictive qualities to the media that I'm consuming right now. And it's like, 
I'm coming home just to be paralyzed, to be numb, to sit in front of this television. In every commercial break, it's breaking news. And I'm like, you guys are just telling me the daily news of the day. What else to do? It's really hard to moderate yourself when there's nothing to moderate you. Yeah. There's nowhere you need to be. There's nowhere you need to meet. There's like no, you know, I mean, my, my daily life, like every day I would do like Pilates classes on Zoom. And so I had that in my schedule. <laughs> I would be like, then I have to meditate, but then I need to read this thing for this other thing I got to do. But then I got to answer these questions and then shit, I got to eat. Where am I going to slot that in? But then fucking Chris Cuomo and Don Lemon, come on, it's seven sharp, you know, yeah. healthy, or like nine or whatever it was, you know, God, so melodramatic. Really, answer the phone to people if they were calling me i'd be like uh-uh you know it's my time you know it's my my chris and don time don't get in my way and i'd be like and then i would do like really weird things i would sit and take pictures like photographs of the tv and then i would start i started i started drawing the tv i started drawing the people on tv and they would move so fast that the faces would be like five different faces in one face and making these incredible people that you know drawing tv i mean that was like a couple months of my life i was obsessed with it i have so many you know <laughs> losing it fucking losing it but yeah yeah i mean, anyway, i've stopped all that i i Good. like yeah yeah i got i nipped that in the butt <laughs> all right all right <laughs> the allison mossard way yeah, yeah. Um, we're not doing that anymore stuff it now okay <laughs> it you got to make those modifications cut it out, just cut the crap out. It just takes a toll after a while, especially right now, because you have no other distractions. And so everything is just compounded and it's just- I have distractions now. My, my distraction is now getting every single person I know vaccinated, helping every single person that's getting like fucked up with the whole system of trying to figure it out and stuff. Mm -hmm. It's like, I, I spent half my day doing that. It's very rewarding, you know? I, and how's that situation been out in Nashville? Because in New York, it's working- incredibly well telling it it's awesome you're like 28 percent. we're 23 percent, but we have a lot of vaccine hesitancy here because we're a red state so you yeah. know if you want a vaccine and you're me and you're not even in phase you can drive like 45 minutes in any direction and they will happily put a shot in your arm they want shots and arms no one's showing up to these right. appointments so it's really a bizarre thing <laughs> worries me you know which is why i'm like reaching out to people i'm like can you can't get one in new york come down here and i'll get you one if you want one right now because it's right. ev everyone come on out come to the fairgrounds next to the pawn shop some pawn yeah. army guy will give you a shot like right now yeah. if you want <laughs> yeah yeah but i have a sense of hope now you know because of that um i'm not fully vaccinated all of us are kind of waiting for the second but, but um after the first shot i was like i felt it feels like progress it feels like going forward you know in a very real way i would agree i i got my first round even just going through the javits center and seeing the flow of people and yeah. seeing the, the the army guys and gals and um the doctors that were doing it 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 gave me a sense of pride that I was not anticipating at all of yeah. just like there's in the military, they know what they're doing. There was something cathartic about the whole experience. I walked out of there and it, I definitely, you know, took a moment and it felt good, but it felt a, a sigh of relief, a little bit of a weight lifted off the shoulders. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's brilliant. It's great. And all those little, it's happening to every, like people everywhere. And it's that feeling and I can just yeah. feel it. You know, I went to Whole Foods that same day and I walked in 
maybe it was like a week ago, there'd been like a huge mass vaccination event for anybody that wanted it down in like our stadium downtown. And obviously everyone at Whole Foods must've gone because everywhere I walked, (laughs) it was like talking about getting their vaccine that day. Like everybody, guy behind a meat counter and the fish and like people like, they're all like, blah, 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 blah. Like so pumped, pumped. So yeah. it was really, really cool. And I was like, wow, you know, I haven't heard that around me. So it's really nice. Um, okay. So I've know, I know Nashville like relatively well. I've been traveling there since 2010 almost. I've seen the city change. I mean, the number of cranes that are dying the skyline, uh, wow. it's crazy. Yeah. Absolutely crazy. What are some of your favorite restaurants? I've got a few that I still, I think are some of the, restaurants that restaurants have ever been to. So I'm curious to know what are some of your favorite haunts in the city? Well, I like anything that Sean Brock does. I loved Husk. And now he's opening something new, which is obviously not open yet, but I'm excited about that. And um but my favorite place that I would go at least once a week was Folk. I loved Folk. Okay. And I loved Wilburn Tavern, which is the kind of like dive bar next door. I'm obsessed with Moss Tacos. Oh but yeah, I mean, that's like an every week jam, of course. Mas Tacos is great. Yeah. It's very far from my house. It's like over where my brother lives. So when I go over and visit him and my niece, um, always Mas Tacos, always margaritas, always a good time. Teresa kills it so hard. So Wilburn Tavern is Teresa's dive bar. That's her bar that I was, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And w- where is Wilburn Tavern? It's next door to Folk, and it's also east. It's Nashville okay. um, somewhere. I can tell you, I'm terrible with street names and stuff. What are your other favorites? I'm curious. Um, so I have a, a, a funny story of when I first went to Nashville. Um, it was probably ten years ago, and it was right before Thanksgiving. And um, I have two much older half brothers, so for the last several years, it's just been like me getting together with my parents over the holidays. Mm-hmm. And so I told them, I was like, I love you guys, but this, the three of us, the little power trio. <laughs> You're like, we need to invite more people to this party. Yeah. yeah. Like, look, I, I wish I would, I wish I were married. We had some like distractions, you know, to bring to the party, but like yeah. this shit's getting old. Yeah. I don't know about you. I remember my dad looked at me. He's like, finally, someone said something. You know? <laughs> I've been wanting to go to Nashville. And I said, look, let's meet in Nashville and, uh, you know, I'll curate the whole thing. I'll do my research. So um, at the time we went to uh, Burger Up uh-huh. and uh, on 12 South. Oh, uh, City House. City House is great. Yeah. City House. City- is- yeah. When I first moved here, I went there a lot. Yeah, yeah. That's like the institution there. And then over the last several years, the kind of play has been. Um, I'm blanking on the name. What's the Italian place? They make their own pasta. It's in Germantown. I know. It's the one I'm trying to think of too, which I love so much. And I don't know why. It's like, it's, well, Russ and Daughters. It's like Rolf and Daughters? Rolf and Daughters. That's it. Yeah. I'm like confusing with Rolf and Daughters in New York where I really want a bagel right now. But yes. Yeah. (laughs) So yeah, Rolf and Daughters, Daughters, um, that place is great. Um, But the play over the last few years is do the first dinner at uh, Rolf and Daughters, depending how banged up you get, ideally end up at Dino's. And then 
you know, yeah. see where it goes from there. Yeah. Next time you got to do folk and you got to do Wilburn Tavern, you won't be sorry. You'll be very, very stoked. When you look back on your musical um, indoctrination, what were some of the albums that really like enraptured you? Um, I think it was Fugazi for me. That was the first band that I heard that I really um, felt like that was my band. You know, mm. like I totally just didn't blink when I was listening to that. And it happened. There's a couple of different ways I discovered music as a kid. My dad's a used car dealer and he would always, you know, buy these cars. And at the time they all had cassette players in them. And um, he'd always find all these tapes in the cars. You know, he'd clean the cars out before he'd sell them. And he would just literally bring me home stacks of tapes that people left <laughs> in their cars, like cars on the floor tapes in the thing tapes in the like all over the car and so i had such a crazy array of everybody's interests in yeah. my room like tapes from everything and i remember hearing led zeppelin for the first time this way and that being totally insane like i was just oh I my gosh over and over and over and over and over again and i know it was led zeppelin because it was actually written on the tape fugazi thing was different i yeah. was like set seven maybe around seven or eight or something and these high school kids next door built like a quarter pipe and they'd always like go out there and skateboard after school and I loved I was obsessed with skaters you know and uh yeah. art and skateboards and watching people skateboard and I wanted to skateboard I wasn't allowed I was too young they wouldn't let yeah. me skate and they would always have this boom box and they would play all these tapes um, and so I would go over there and sit next to the boombox and watch and listen. And yeah. you know, none of the tapes had any like words. They were just like mixtapes and stuff back in the day. And Fugazi was on one of those tapes that I would hear all the time. And thankfully, some I asked and asked, who is that? Who is that? Who is that? Who is yeah. that? He told me. And that's kind of how I got into that band. And that was really the first one where I was like actively like, I need to know everything thing about this band right now I need to know and I would yeah. that was my favorite band forever I mean it's the reason like I wanted to be in a band and it's the only band I ever followed on tour I literally when I got my license followed their band around S this country stop it like peace <laughs> I'm out and they were and that was it and they were so good to me they were like Ian would make me green tea and like give me like all these triple A's to go out and get underage kids in when they couldn't come in. And like, I lived for it. I would be the first wow. one in the door. I would stand at the front of the stage with my camera hours before the band went on stage and I wouldn't let anybody take my spot. <laughs> and I wanted like to see every drop of it. And that, so that really for me was that was that first door opening. By that time, I first ever got to see them play. I had been on tour. I was in a band and I was, yeah. um, you know, seeing punk bands every single night and lots of great ones, lots of great people I played with, lots of great shows I got to go see, but nothing in the world ever moved me the way that they did. I, I, I'm blanking on it. All, all of his albums have two letters in them. It's not so, cause that has uh, in your eyes on it. Mm -hmm. And I know his most recent one was up. It's the one in between that has uh washing of the water. I I'm blanking on it, but it, it was his divorce album. <laughs> and I was just transfixed with it. Just transfixed. That's bizarre. 
Um, so my next question for you is, and correct me if I'm wrong, I believe that you are friendly with Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds. I believe, I don't know if this is true, or at least Warren Ellis. Um, and he, I feel, Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds are like one of the last bands, the, the last one of the, the monsters that I have yeah. that I have yet like I know it's a thing and I know I need to understand it more I watched the documentary like 20,000 days on earth and I I think it's the best rock doc that I've ever seen yeah. like my mind yeah. was fucking blown watching that thing <laughs> and um I've listened to the most recent album Carnage yeah and that thing is heavy yeah it's beautiful it's 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 beautiful. Uh, that song "Lavender Fields," Albuquerque. It's it's and it's so moving that I I'm almost like intimidated by it. I don't, I don't know how to wedge myself in. So my question to you is, help me slot me into Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds because I feel like I need a guide. I'm a terrible guide. I don't know. I think that like with music, you either like. Is that the storm? Yeah. It even yeah. It's going to get crazy. Um, you either just like, it's like you don't have to understand it. You just have to feel it, you know? Yeah. All I would do is just just keep the records going around and around like I did with that Bob Dylan record. And by the end, you're just going to be like, I get it. I totally yeah. fucking get it. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, that's another, you know, Nick Cave and Warren L. Seeing those two on stage is another one of those, like that really takes me back to that Fugazi thing where I see the same kind of thing going on there. It's just like completely commanding and beautiful. Dignity. It's yeah. Art, though. It's like art. It's not, it's art and showmanship. Like, uh, you know, you're watching some combination of James Brown and Elvis, but you're also watching like something that would be in a modern art gallery. It's like, there's, you have all these different sort of principles. You know, these guys read books, you know, these guys draw and understand painters and film. And there's just such a whole wraparound of, of inspiration. Yeah. So I would say like, when you're listening to that, just know that the stuff is coming from everywhere. It's not just like, Hey guys, let's get together in a garage. And we're just no, it's not that it's like, so, um, he but feels like, like elemental, like, you know, he's tapping into something else. You're, you're listening to music from people who are, are really, really, really beautiful and wonderful human beings that have had some pretty fucking hard times, you know? Totally. And, and when you've got the intelligence and the will to turn your despairs into something beautiful, um, I think that's what you get, you know? I yeah. Mean, they, do, they do it really well. And it's, it's beautiful and it is dark and it is heavy and it is uplifting and it is hopeful, yeah. you know? Yeah. It's, it's, it's the whole thing. And that's why it's awesome. Do you still get inspired by that? Does that make you jealous in a good way and say, gosh, I got to go back and I want to, I want to, I want to draw, I want to write this, this inspires me in a good way to keep upping my game. Like I don't, I don't get jealous, but I'm always inspired by my peers. You know, I'm yeah. always inspired what people are doing and, and what they're working on. And I will listen to everybody's new record of, of a band, you know, that I love or a person that I love. I want to know what the fuck are you up to? I want to know, you know, yeah. really exciting to me. Um, 
but I've always like music has always been food and art has always been food. And these are the things that I need. And, um, yeah. you know, it's been a weird year where not a lot of stuff has come out. Um, but carnage coming out was a wonderful surprise. I had no idea it was even happening. And then that just like, I was like, I like literally ran through the house and told everybody, you guys, Nick Cave and Warren Nelson just, <laughs> they just yeah. released the record. Everybody stop what you're doing. Let's turn yeah. it on. You know? So yeah, it's exciting. <laughs> I want to thank them very much for that. What are you looking forward to over the next year? I am looking forward to working on music with Jamie and I'm looking forward to going places. I want to go to New York. I've wanted to be in New York this entire time and I haven't been. I always am in New York. I'm there like every three or four months and yeah, it feels like another home to me. And so I feel really, I'm really missing my friends there a lot. I'm really missing the city and I want to do that. I want to go to art shows. I want to see bands play. And if it's outside, I want to be, I want to be in crowded rooms. And I feel like after everything will fall in place, you know, that's all I got for you. And, um, you know, we'll wrap there. It's very nice. So to meet you, Brian. <laughs> it's a, it's a, it's a pleasure to meet you too. 